0: hey everybody happy sunday uh, great to see you guys um even if i can't really see completely and it's uh great to be here again and it's great to be at last without uh venus retrograde and mercury retrograde and everything lurking in the shadows so we are still in the shadow uh, like we said before we're gonna be in the shadow for a few more days depends on which shadow but, you know, we've been dealing with Venus retrograde shadow from the beginning of December. Uh, maybe until the middle of February, we are still dealing with uh, the shadow of Mercury retrograde. But at least officially, we are uh, retrograde-less until April 28th. So until two days before the first eclipse of 2022, we are free from any kind of retrogrades. And not only that, we are blessed by Venus and Mars coming together and having their interesting uh, tango and their dance in Capricorn, later on in Aquarius. So that's one of the things I wanted to work on today uh, because this Venus and uh, Mars conjunction or or love affair is not that common. Last time we had it was in July of 2021, so you can go back and see what was going on around that time. But it was shorter, and also we had it in 2019, in about August of 2019. You can go back to that time. And funny enough, Mars and Venus kept their social distancing very, very strongly in 2020, and they didn't meet at all to a conjunction in 2020. So if you had some difficulty with love affairs or the lack of it thereof, in the pandemic, maybe it was because Venus and Mars decided to stay away from planet Earth, or at least the conjunction around planet Earth um, in 2020. What else I wanted to talk about today is, uh, let's see if we have time for it, some banning and so forth, which is uh, kind of annoying what's happening right now, especially in the United States, but I'm sure it's going to spread all over. Uh, There is a tendency for things here to spread around, you know. Uh, So hopefully it's a you know, only bound by space and time to United States and uh, to this period of time. But I have a feeling that it might spread around. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And also, uh, maybe I'll start off with that, um, looking at the charts of uh, what did I prepare for the Yeah. Uh, Look, let's look at a little bit um, uh, what we can glean from the chart of uh, the Ukraine and Russia, because it's kind of scary what's happening uh, right now over there. This is the uh, chart of uh, the Ukraine. And again, it's interesting because Ukraine and um, the U.S., I mean, Russia liberated themselves at the same time, if you can say liberated from the USSR, and it was 1991. Remember, we talked about that what's happening right now for us is similar or have a reflection in 1991, 92, 93, which was the last time Saturn was in Aquarius, like it was since 2020 and how it's going to be until March of 2023. So we are dealing with Saturn in Aquarius. Aquarius is all about communities, governments, people, organizations, NGOs, uh, altruism, uh, it's all about uh, the ability to understand who is your community and what is your community and define yourself, especially as a large group of people. That's why governments and countries are associated with Aquarius as well. So it's kind of interesting that because of the USSR basically crumbling down in the summer of of 1991, a lot of the countries that emerged out of the uh, break of the USSR empire have Saturn in Aquarius which is because all of them were kind of created 1991 92 we talked about Kazakhstan a little a few weeks ago and here we look at the chart of um a, a, a Ukraine and you see that it was born uh, right around uh, Saturn 1 degrees Aquarius because it's retrograde as you can see in the chart uh, Saturn is retrograde in the chart of Ukraine and what is also interesting if you look at the chart is that Saturn is gonna be on top of the moon for the first time basically since it was created i mean since the country was created it happened to it in the first year year and a half of its creation uh, for it uh, in the Ukraine. And now the Ukraine is going through the same thing. It's going through the period of Saturn on top of the moon. It's peaking in April 7, August 4, and then January of 2023. When Saturn is on top of the moon, it is very difficult. I mean, you guys had to experience it every 30 years. You can look in your chart to see where you have your moon. If you have your moon in Aquarius, it's definitely happening now. If you have if you have it in Pisces, for example, it's going to happen from 2023 to 2025. Around that time, you're going to have that prayer What is Saturn on top of the moon? Having to deal with, funny enough, real estate. The real estate of the country, obviously, it's territory. It has to do a lot with home, family. Obviously, there is a very strong link between Russia and um, Ukraine. Obviously, Kiev was the capital way before Moscow, and it was the center of Russian civilization way before. But still, Ukrainians would say that they have Ukrainian that they speak, and Russians speak Russian, and there is not necessarily that it's the same people. But the idea is that they have, both of them, uh, you'll see in a second the chart of Russia from 1991, have the moon in Aquarius. And the moon in the chart of countries, mundane astrology, is considered to be the people. So think about how symbolic it is that now, once in 30 years, the first time since the creation of the country, you can say, Saturn, which is the forces of heaviness, responsibility, conservative energy, structure, pain, suffering, karma, is going to be sitting on top of the country's moon when there's 130,000 believe soldiers from Russia uh, encircling the country already. So, and everybody now to talking about the news that it's a matter of days and weeks until the Ukraine will be attacked. And now we know that in 72 hours, uh, like the three days, uh, Kiev is supposed to fall. You know, those predictions i'm not really sure what uh, what they know and what they don't know and, and and it's you can't really tell what is part of the uh, negotiation diplomacy wise if they come with announcement from both sides of what they're going to do and when they're going to do it but astrologically speaking it's interesting that first of all on January 5th of 2022 pluto set right on top of the rising sign of a Ukraine. So that's really happening once in 250 years. So you're talking about going back 250 years ago. Maybe that was still the time that uh, Kiev had much more of a prominent uh, saying. Or maybe you can go 500 years ago because it's every 250 years. But the interesting thing is for, the, for Ukraine that is born in 1991, This is a very powerful period. Pluto sitting on top of the rising sign, very close to Saturn, which is, again, karma, challenges, heaviness, difficulties. And Saturn is the ruler of the chart of Ukraine because Ukraine has a Capricorn rising. Now, it's interesting to see in the chart of Ukraine that that they have Capricorn in the house of past lifetime. Whenever you have Capricorn in the house of past life, it means that, first of all, you're an old soul. Obviously, Ukraine is a very old civilization. It's not like was born in 1991 boom a little baby it's not really a little baby it you can say it's a baby that has a very strong memories of their past life that's precisely what will happen if you have in your chart capricorn in the house of past lifetime you have memories from past lifetimes and therefore fears capricorn represents fear from past lives so it's interesting that they have that and Pluto now is sitting right on top of the uh, rising sign of Ukraine now because United States is going right right now uh, we'll talk about it in uh, next week through their own cap uh, Pluto return it means that the Pluto of United States sits right on top of the Pluto of the rising sign of Ukraine that's why it's such a very pivotal time that when United States is going through its Pluto return once in 250 years Ukraine is having to deal with Pluto sitting on top of its rising sign every 250 years as well. And the big battle there is really between Russia and United States that happens to be on the grounds of Ukraine because of where they're located. So that's an interesting thing. So the combination of Pluto sitting on top of the rising sign of Ukraine once in 250 years and once in 30 years Saturn sitting on top of the moon and the moon is the people. First of all, I would say that even if Putin decide to um, attack You know, it's not even Russia. It's if Putin decides to attack Ukraine, they will have a hard time because Saturn on top of the moon will awaken the people. It's not going to oppress the people so much. It's going to awaken the people. And the moon in Aquarius in Ukraine, it's not only that they had the Orange Revolution. There is a tendency for revolutions when you have your moon in Aquarius. For example, the United States has the moon in Aquarius. So there is going to be some kind of, a, I would say, very strong uprising if they decide to enter. There's going to be pretty bloody, I would say. But again, Saturn is right now in the house of, of Ukraine's um, me, myself, my path, trying to define my identity. So maybe that's why. And that's been going on since beginning of uh, the pandemic from March, uh, February of 2020. If you look at the chart of Ukraine, you can see that they've been trying to figure out who they are. And that happens again every 30 years. Last time it happened, they came up with a declaration of their constitution and breaking away from the USSR. Now they have to reinvent themselves again. Are we going west? Are we going east? Uh, You'll be a NATO. You won't be a NATO. And look at how many countries are trying to define what Ukraine will be, whether it's Russia, whether it's Europe, whether it's United States because Saturn is in the first house. So you can learn also of what's happening with countries to learn how to interpret your chart better. So anybody who has now Saturn in the first house because they have Aquarius rising or maybe end of Capricorn rising, they're going through this period of definition of who they are. In the case of a country, it is a very, very intense because you're talking about the definition of millions and millions of people. So... That's what's happening in the chart of Ukraine. And in Russia, we don't really know when they were born. You know, that's the same thing that uh, it's very hard to make a chart for Putin because I think probably on purpose there is a few birthdays, a few birth times that are possible for Putin. He knew very well that he should probably uh, cloud his date of birth so nobody can predict what he's going to do because that's what he's all about. But anyway, in Russia, it's very hard to tell if it's December 8th when it's one Yenshly actually officially declared in the Minsk uh, proclamation that we are uh, breaking away the ussr are we creating the russian federation or december 12 which is the day that they actually started it the parliament rectified uh, that uh, ratified that decision from the from Yeltsin. So we can't really tell what we know for sure is that Russia is born again with Saturn in Aquarius. So you can see again that concept of a Saturn return that is happening to Russia and it's happening to the Ukraine because they were born almost at the same time. 30 years ago. So that's a Saturn return. If you look at the other chart of Russia, it's from December 12th. It has a Taurus rising, and it is still Saturn in um, Aquarius. The only difference is the moon is moving from a a Capricorn, if you take the December 8th, to Aquarius. So that's the difference. But it's interesting because in the chart of uh, the 12th, December 12th, when the parliament actually decided, yes, there is a Russian federation, It means that now in this year, 2022, for the first time in 84 years, you have Uranus sitting on top of the rising sign of Russia, while Pluto, once in 250 years, is moving on top of Ukraine's um, rising sign. And not only that, around March, uh, middle of March, end of March, you have that Saturn-Pluto square that Russia is having to deal with. So if they will invade March, it will be a pretty intense time of a lot of uh, problems with people, probably some kind of um, uh, pushback. So again, it's interesting to see how these uh, act with the charts of uh, countries. But what I wanted to talk to you about today is that idea of banning, banning, uh, cancelling, deleting, and so forth. We do it all the time to files, sometimes to lovers, exes, and stuff like that. But what's been happening now in the United States, especially during this retrograde and the shadow, is kind of crazy. Because right in the shadow of Mercury retrograde, we had... And Mercury retrograde, you remember, is going to end up retrograding in a Cap, in Capricorn, which is a very traditional, conservative sign we've been having all over the united states especially in the south a lot of banning so there is proposal from oklahoma that's called the students religious belief protection act as if they people need protection uh, which would offer individual uh, the option to sue teachers for $10,000 it's a good money Uh, In damages for contradicting the religious belief of students, uh, Florida is going to have don't say gay bill, which is very similar to Putin bill, uh, which would ban teachers from discussing LGBTQ topics seemed not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. So it's kind of interesting because we talked here right about, what, two, three, four weeks ago, I think when I was in Israel, about how the happiest kids on the planet uh, for the last 20 years are in the Netherlands. And the reason why they're so happy there is because they're given freedom of knowledge. They're given options to learn and they're not prevented from any kind of difficulties. They're encouraged to learn how to deal with these difficulties. So we just talked about how uh, in Netherlands at the age of four, they're already teaching kids to learn how to talk about sex, that's sex education by telling people how to say no to touch that is not comfortable for them. So already from the age of four in the Netherlands, the place that raises the happiest kids on the planet, not disturbed and not frightened, Actually, they talk about a different form of sexualities from very early age. They teach them. They don't have to go through the bee program. They just directly talk to them about what exists, you know, like we have been doing for thousands and thousands and thousands of thousands of years. I'm, th- I'm sure the cavemen didn't explain sexuality uh, using the bees. Right. But in Oklahoma and in Florida, it seems like the kids are very, very sensitive. They can't deal with the truth. And it means that they're probably very, very sad uh, little kids. Because of that, I mean, later on they grow to be sad uh, little men and women. So, the biggest thing that was happening, and you probably read a lot about it and you heard about it, is uh, McMeans County School Board uh, that unanimously, not even one person said no, voted to remove mouse from its circle, from its uh, curriculum. And it was a day before International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And it's kind of intense now because everybody's pr- bringing back that Holocaust situation, but not in a very good way, not in a way that can teach us not to uh, to avoid uh, that happening again. But the anti-vaxxers are using it uh, by putting the uh, yellow triangle, the six-pointed star on themselves because they have to get vaccinated. And people are saying that um, uh, the mandates are like Nazis and that Fauci is like uh, Mengele. All of that... that... That terminology from the Holocaust, I think, desensitizes it and makes it almost as if something we can use all the time uh, for any kind of uh, activity that I might not be wanting to do. Or you're forcing me to pay taxes, you're a Nazi, you know. But anyway, the Pulitzer winning... A book, it tells the story of um, the author and his relationship with his father, who actually is a Holocaust survivor from Auschwitz. And it depicts mice as uh, not as the Jews and um, cats as the Nazis. And the school board actually objected to the fact that there is nudity, even though it's mice uh, that are nude. I mean, mice usually are nude nude, and you know when you go to concentration camp that's what they do for you they took your clothes away from you you took their identity away from you they took the i am the aries away from you and by the way that's why the first thing that happened uh, when the when the camps were liberated from the british again there was a good uh, there was a really interesting uh, story about that how the first shipment that they brought to uh, the women is lipstick red lipstick to put on their um, face and to reclaim their identity, to reclaim their power. So anyway, that nudity and the eight curses in that uh, book really upset uh, the people from um, um, the board, you know, the school board. And this is, by the way, that horrible uh, nude uh, imagery or the nude imagery. This is part of the scene from the what they call the selectia or the Selection. And it talks about, I mean, the guy, uh, what was he saying, um... He's saying that uh, people hanging, it shows killing kids. Uh, Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? Uh, This is not wise or healthy. I mean, obviously, he's not very much of an authority of saying what is healthy and what is uh, wise. Uh, By the way, 1.5 million kids actually died in World War II. So I think that talking to kids about what happened there is absolutely necessary, even if it means showing some naked mice. And the curse, the goddamn you uh, curse, was when the hero actually talks about to his father and tells him to his father because his father apparently burned a lot of the memories that or the, the letters that his mother had left him. Anyway, he says even, I'm sorry, two panels after that. This is a normal expression. So because it says, God damn it, um, you know, this is too much for the kids in uh, Tennessee, and they might grow uh, miserable and sad, even though they will grow like that, because in the Netherlands they go happy because they talk about these kind of things. But what the beautiful thing that happened immediately after the book was banned, and it became... Immediately a bestseller. in number one, in Amazon, uh, the, and it became the top three bestsellers in literary graphic novels. So at least something good came out of this nonsense. And this is how Mercury Retrograde works. That's why I wanted to talk about this in the context of Mercury Retrograde. Their stupid decision in, that started this whole journey came in January 10. In January 10, nobody even knew about it. It was Mercury in the shadow three, four days before it's going to go retrograde. When did it all blow up? When Mercury went retrograde. That's why I told you to be careful of the shadow. Because in the shadow, it's almost like the week, week and a half before Mercury retrograde, a week, week and a half after Mercury retrograde. But usually the one before is more intense. We looked at it uh, last week with uh, the whole tennis uh, situation that was going on and the um, vaccination, right? In the open tennis uh, of, of Australia. So the same thing, Some some things can happen during the shadow that are in the shadow. They're unseen. You don't even know that you have an issue there. And then suddenly when we're out of the shadow it, or we're into the retrograde, that's when it comes up. That's when it starts surfacing. And it's going to last all the way up until the shadow is done. So it's really interesting how it backfired. Again, backfired is very much Mercury retrograde, especially when Mercury retrograde was in Aquarius, which is rebellion and uh, everything to do with um internet and and communication, especially with younger people. So what happened was that a guy called Ryan Higgs, uh, the owner of California Comic Book Shop, uh, offered via Twitter to donate up to a hundred copies of the complete Mouse to families in the Mc- uh, in the McKe- McMinn uh, County. Uh, illustrators, screenwriters, uh, bookstores started offering it. And actually, I gave you the link to donate uh, to the cause. Uh, I sent a few books out there. You basically go to the website, you go to their link, you buy four or five of these books. You put them. Uh, you have a certain feature there that uh, puts donate. It takes. Um, it makes it thirty-five percent, I think, cheaper. And then you basically send these books out to kids in that area, so the kids can grow happy uh, instead of miserable um like their parents want to. So, again, it's really, really interesting uh, that you see that there is this forces of darkness, ignorance that try to ban and kick things out and immediately the forces that um, reconnect to it. Um, now, the most important thing for me was when I was reading this, because, you know, the mouse, you know, I don't know, that's uh, too much for them. Holocaust, uh, Holocaust on uh, naked mouse, uh, naked mouse cursing, God damn, and all that kind of stuff. OK, maybe that's too much. But then I was thinking about um, I was reading about these Bible fearing folks who don't want to have any kind of these terrible books sitting next to, or books that talk about sex and talk about murder and talk about rape to have it close to the Holy Bible. You know, Now you guys know how much I love the Bible. I actually ended up reading the Bible. That's how I studied the Bible in Hebrew, the original language. I can read it the way it was written, thank God. And I think it's an amazing book with probably one of the best storytelling machines or maybe the best storytelling machine that still influences Hollywood and influences our entertainment today. So I am complete at all with the Bible. You can see I have a Bible here in English. I have a Bible here in Hebrew. I am Bible-surrounded, okay? So what I'm going to tell you is in that context. But in December, again, in the shadow of Mercury, Oklahoma State Senator Rob, uh, whatever his last name is, filled Senate Bill 1142, which proclaims prohibit public school districts, public charter schools and public school libraries from having or promoting books that address the study of sex. Okay. No, no more sex. There is no sex, you know. Sexual preferences, yeah, everybody is straight. Sexual activities, nobody's having sex. Sexual perversions, mm, sex-based classification, sexual identity, gender identity, I don't know what that means even, uh, or books that contain contact of sexual nature that a reasonable parent or legal guardian would want to know about or approve or before their child was exposed to. Now think about it. This guy is trying to prohibit sex and look at how many times he used the word sex inside. This guy is a sex addict or a sex maniac. I don't know what. I don't think people usually go around talking about sex, 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 sex. And then there was, this is from The Atlantic, by the way, and then a Texas parent had argued the children biography of Michelle Obama promote reverse Uh, racism. So what I'm trying to say is that now it's out of control. Even here in California, uh, there is a new ban, a ban on The Fault in Our Stars. If you haven't seen the book, uh, the movie or read the book, it's basically about uh, teenagers that have uh, cancer and they have to learn how to survive with that. It's a love affair. It's an amazing story, really beautiful. Now that is also banned. Uh, Why? Because this lady, who's (laughs) Karen uh, Kruger, uh, decided that... um, um, this is not appropriate for kids to talk about uh, people, die, kids dying from uh, cancer and having sex. I mean, what is wrong with people? I mean, I can't really uh, believe this is actually happening in our time and in this country. So the American Library Association said that uh, they have an unprecedented 330 reports of books challenges, including books like The People's History of the United States or Margaret Atwood's uh, The Handmaid's Tale. You know, they made a TV show about it in Hulu, but they're going to ban the school. And, of course, our friends at Fox uh, managed to scr- roam the land and try to find the one rabbi that will humiliate himself enough to defend uh, the move to uh, ban uh, this book. I mean, somebody probably needed a lot of uh, uh, attention, and that rabbi decided to humiliate himself. And it's really interesting. In the bottom, you can't see very well. It says sexually, expi- e- e- sexually explicit, explicit, explicit kids' books next to the bible and i was thinking that probably made everybody so angry how could this be that there is books about sex and gender in front of the bible that is Terrible. So, okay, let's talk about the Bible now, because all of these Bible fearing people are banning all of these other books because they don't want to have those books, these terrible books next to the Bible. But if there is any book that should be banned from children, it is the book that is called the Bible. I'm not going to talk about the New Testament now. I'm going to talk about the Old Testament. Right? Um, why should it be banned? Because there is very strong sexual content. We'll talk about it in a second. There is mentions of genocides when thousands of people are being killed. There is cursing. Worst cursing that God damn! Uh, there is a curse, for example, that the that the the God cursed uh, the serpent Aru, which is considered to be the worst word in Hebrew. If you want to anybody curse anybody the worst way possible, that is the word that you have to use. It's way worse than any f word or anything. Excessive drinking and divination and witchcraft. All of that is located in the Bible. The only thing is that probably in your Sunday school or your Saturday school or whatever school you went to, whatever day it was, they probably didn't tell you about these stories, but they're in that book. So if you have that book in the library, um, accessible for kids who are young this is a very 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 dangerous book. Let me give you a few examples of um nudity. For example, the very famous scene uh, we have from Samuel where David and Jonathan strip naked and exchange their clothes and kiss. I mean, come on, you have naked men kissing. Um, That's one example. Another example is from Genesis, where, I don't know if you know about it, I think we mentioned it one time, that, and if you have a kid there listening to me right now, this is completely um, rated R, so you better close their, um, if you want to protect them, you should close their ears right now. Because there is a very interesting scene in Genesis after... The and Gomorrah was completely destroyed by God and everybody there, women, men, monkeys, uh, donkeys, died completely, became salt. Even his wife, remember, when she turned around to look at what happened, she turned into salt. Anyway, um, you have the situation where the two daughters of Lot and Lot, their father, is, are, are basically fugitive. They're the only survivor. The girls are thinking, oh, my God, it's not only Saddam and Gomorrah that was destroyed. The whole world was destroyed. So that means that there is no men anywhere and we don't have kids. And what's going to happen to humanity? So thinking very much about humanity, you know, very, very altruistic, they decided the most logical thing to do is to get their father drunk and then... Uh, basically have sex with him. So one night they got the, the father drunk, lot drunk, and one girl had sex with him and she got pregnant and she had a baby. And then the day after, the other girl did the same thing. So you're talking about rape, And you're talking about sexual abuse, and you're talking about incest. And all of that is in the Bible. You just have to read through the pages and get to that, right? Or the fact that, um, um, for example, I don't know if you know the story about Jacob and Dina. Dina was the only daughter of Jacob. Jacob had a lot of guys, a lot of boys. He always prayed for boys, maybe overprayed. And they had one girl who was called Dina. Dina in Hebrew also means the judged one or she that you will be judged. And anyway, Hamor, uh, who is the Shem, um, in, in, anyway, in Canaan, where not too far from where Jacob uh, and his gang was, um, uh, was there, there was an incident. Let me see if I wrote it from you. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see. No, that's another thing I'll tell you about in a second. Yeah, so we have a situation where Shem, Shem, by the way, is one of the cities in the West Bank. Nablus, I think you call it in English. But in Hebrew, it's called Shem and it's actually named after him. And his uh, father was called Hamor. Hamor in Hebrew, funny enough, is a donkey. Never mind. But anyway, he kind of uh, Shem... The son of uh, Hamo, uh, the ruler of the area, he saw Dina and he took her and humbled her. It's not really clear what it means humbled her. Some Bible places they'll translate as to rape. I don't know if rape is completely right because a sentence after it says his heart was drawn to Dina, daughter of Jacob. And he loved uh, the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. I don't know if a person who rapes somebody then suddenly fall in love with her and talks tenderly to her. But never mind, you know. Anyway, what happened is, let's imagine they had some kind of connection, and of course, Shem said to his father, "Go talk to Jacob, because I want to marry her. I want to make her my wife." Anyway mo goes to Jacob, but before that, his uh, sons stop him, and basically they tell him, "Listen, if you want to get married to our daughter, to our sister, no problem. But we're circumcised, you see. So all of your, you and your men in the city have to be circumcised, and then we can have the wedding." And the guy said. It's a big sacrifice. I'm going to have to ask all my gang friends, but we'll do it. I mean, they'll do it for me. So what they did, they cut off their foreskin. Obviously, it's a lot of infection. It's a lot of pain. And all the men were basically dis- disabled for a few days. And that's when the two brothers eh, of Dina came and slaughtered them all. You know, everyone. So that's in the Bible. Genesis 34. You just have to read 34 chapters in the Bible and you get to it. Um so... And of course, before that, you have the story of um, uh, Lot. So you got all the big juicy stuff in 30 pages, 30 uh, chapters. That is the book that uh, basically we are asked um, to be careful with the other books around them because the other books might uh, leak into this holy book. So this good book is full of things that anywhere else, if anybody else would have written, in the South, especially of the United States, they would have... So that was just to show you how eh, people, including all of us, are kind of weird sometimes with with things like that. I think that, again, the the reason why I think this is all happening much more in America, I was talking about it yesterday in the book signing we had uh, in Santa Monica. I think what's happening with the Pluto return, we're going to talk about it. Now in February, United States is going through the Pluto return. Again, it happens every 250 years. It's when Pluto sits on top of itself uh, and it creates two Plutos. And where is that happening in the chart of the United States? We'll talk about it next week. It's happening actually in the second house, which is the house of values, the house of money, the house of talents, the house of um, self-esteem. It's what we believe in. And I think that everything now is coming to that headway of that point of having to decide what do we believe in and what are our values. You know, the United States is the oldest democracy on the planet. And it's now uh, the most, let's say, fragile holding on to uh, democracy. We can see what's happening throughout the country. Um, you see that that whole Idea of what are the values behind uh, this country is starting to collapse. So again, there is a there is a fight right now. If you look at it in the even at what's happened uh, this week with the Republican uh, Party describing the insurrection of January six as a discourse, a political discourse, normal discourse of political things. So when you want to discuss your political views, you can take um, you know fire extinguisher and put it uh, and smash cops on their heads and stuff like that and storm into the Capitol. This is totally a normal discussion. And it's really funny because when this whole thing happened in the beginning, Fox News especially said that it was Antifa that um, actually created all this uh, now, they're basically, if you put those two stories together, you can say that, yes, it was Antifa uh, uh, having a political, normal discussion that uh, about uh, the values of the United States. So, that's one of the reasons why this is happening in such a strong way. Now, what is interesting, if we look at, a, what I wanted to look at is the passage of, let's see if I can, uh if I can make it happen, so we can look at. Ah, that's why I got stuck in um, Ukraine. Let me change this to us uh, for today, 12 p.m. Because what I wanted to see now is uh, the passage of Venus and Mars, because I think that it will be. That's the one. Let me move this. So if we look to see... Animate... Yeah, so if we look at the passage of Venus and Mars, they're coming closer and closer to each other. Now, we talked about it. Mars is now exalted in Capricorn. That means that he's getting the pure force of its martial energy. What is Mars? Passion, intimacy, Transformation. It has to do a lot with healing in many ways. It's interesting because it's the sign, it's the planet that can stab you and kill you, but also heal you. It's the sword, but it's also the surgeon's uh, knife that can uh, fix you, hopefully. So that's the Mars energy. And Venus in Capricorn has to do a lot with relationships that are old or with older people or people you might have known in past lifetime or people you might have known in this lifetime a long time ago. And now they're coming together. So the interesting thing about Mars and Venus conjun- conjunction, like we said, it hasn't happened uh, since the summer of 2021. We had it a little bit. Then in the summer of two thousand twenty-two, ha- uh, 2019, we had it. 2020, they haven't met at all. And this year, they're meeting right now very close to Valentine's. So... Again, it's actually a very, very positive thing for us because what is happening right now is that the archetype of the masculine and feminine are coming together. There is some feeling of harmony. Remember, Venus and Mars, when they got uh, together, even though both of them were married uh, to other um, uh, gods and goddesses, They gave birth to harmonia, that symbol of perfect harmony between Mars and Venus, the masculine and the feminine. So I don't think it's only about you finding your partner or falling in love. I think it's also the ability of your masculine and your feminine to come to the same place, to kind of uh, work with the same philosophy or the same ideas. And again, Venus is the ruler of money, talents, self-worth, which we mentioned just now, and relationship, justice, fairness. And Mars is everything that has to do with movement and energy. So there's energy towards justice. There is energy now towards uh, truth. And also, there could be some energy also for diplomacy. So I'm still optimistic that there could be some... that uh, the, that war could be a little bit dissipated by that energy of Venus. But we'll see how it works because Mars is exalted and Mars is really pushing towards action. But anyway, Mars is right now these days sending a beautiful energy to Uranus. We'll talk about the, the dates and everything that is happening in a second. But I wanted to just have a fast forward movement of the next month so you can prepare for your Venus and uh, Mars conjunction. So again, Mars is exalted, getting the best energy possible right now. That's going to be great. Venus is in Capricorn. She doesn't suffer there, but she talks about more relationships that have an element of time, meaning that um, it's not about immediately falling in love with someone. That's not happening now. That might happen in a few weeks. Now it's about relationships that can be blessed by space, by continuously slow energy, by a slow maturity let's say adding the element of time whether that person is somebody you knew in the past that's time or somebody that takes you time to get to know to, to get to know them or somebody who is a maybe older or you know in past lifetimes so again venus in capricorn is trying to break away from patterns from relationship in the past and because mars is there it's giving it much more flow So you can say that already today we're starting this conjunction because now their difference is three degrees and conjunction is usually less than five degrees, but in transits we usually talk about two degrees. So if you want to be a little bit more conservative, you can wait till tomorrow. So from tomorrow, Venus and Mars are officially coming together. And you can see Venus is going one step forward. Mars is trying to catch her up. So February 9, we have, again, both of them two degrees away from each other. And they're sending beautiful energy to Uranus through this whole conjunction right now. So this next week, at least, the Venus-Mars connection is very, very strong and will be very dominant also uh, because Uranus, the planet that has to do with Aquarius, which is where we are now, we are the Sun in Aquarius, Saturn in Aquarius, is kind of blessing this union. And Uranus now is having only good energies. It's coming from Jupiter, which is a blessing. So anything to do with technology, innovation, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, breakthrough, scientific breakthrough uh, coming out right now. Uh, A lot of studies, a lot of discoveries. Either they're going to be published now Or they are now in the making and in a few months we're going to find that the experiment was done around now or the paper was written around now, but it took a time to be published. So something's happening right now, this year in general, because of Uranus uh, sending such good energy to the Sun and uh, to Mars and Venus, but also because uh, Uranus is going to be closer and closer, as you can see, to the North Node, which is the point of good karma, which is in Taurus. So... Let's do this first, actually. Let's look at the week uh, with the emphasis of Venus and Mars. And after the week is done, I'm going to continue going day after day to show you what's happening with uh, uh, Venus and Mars conjunction specifically. So first of all, let's cover this week like we always do. So tomorrow, sorry, Wednesday, I'm already. Let's start on um, um, Monday. So February 7th. Uh, Tomorrow, we have the moon in Taurus, which is the moon of success. So that's a really good moon. She's sitting very close to uh, Uranus. You know, it just means that you're going to be encountering a lot of older women that are kind of crazy, kind of unique. Uh, Maybe they're teachers that are kind of funny, spontaneous because Jupiter and the moon and Uranus are sending beautiful energy to each other, and because also Venus and Mars eh, are sending great energy to the moon and Uranus, it's actually a pretty fun day tomorrow. So Monday, Tuesday, there's going to be a lot of um, uh, learning, a lot of connection to beauty, to design, to colors, to art, a lot of passion, a lot of um, funny moments, a lot of humor, by the way, as well, and a lot of artistic energy. So it's actually a pretty interesting, nice day. don't have hardly any opposition or any difficulties. You just have the Neptune squaring the, uh, the Black Moon, which has been going on for the last week. And I think in the, in the news at least you see it a lot with, uh, you know, everything that's happening in the Republican comp- uh, Party right now, and also everything that's happening in uh, Ukraine and in the U- in Ukraine and Russia, with everybody saying bad thing about each other and trying to overcome the propaganda and the lies and misinformation of the other side. So. That could be the Black Moon and um, uh, squaring Neptune, because it's it's kind of intense in seeing the worst in everybody else around. But besides that, it's a beautiful blue day. Blue, I'm talking about mainly blue flow of energy or blue cards cl- a connection between the planets. If we look at uh, February 8, which is a Tuesday. Uh, the sun and Saturn is coming closer and closer to... I mean, no, it's actually passed, so it's not too bad. Uh, Jupiter is still sending beautiful energy to Uranus. Uh, the moon is still in Taurus, which is the moon of success. The moon is still sending beautiful energy to Mercury, to Venus, to Mars. So there's a lot of um, uh, trines. Trine basically means flowing energy and positive energy between the planets. So you'll see, again, the conjunction between the sun, Mars and Venus is a little bit less on Tuesday, but it's going to be enhanced on Wednesday. And still, there is this very, very strong connection between uh, Uranus and Jupiter and Venus and Mars. The only thing that Tuesday is a little bit more annoying is the sun and the moon. They're squaring because the moon is in Taurus, fixed sign, and sun in Aquarius, fixed sign. They're squaring. That talks about more challenges between mother and father or mother figure and father figure in your life or bosses or just in you, the feeling of lack of satisfaction Wednesday, things are shifting because Jupiter is moving into Gemini, which is easier communication, much more flow. And when the moon in Gemini, she's going to send beautiful energy, especially around um, Thursday and Friday towards the sun and towards Saturn, which is going to be really, really positive. So still Uranus is 11 degrees uh, Taurus. The Mars and Venus conjunction is around 11, 13 degrees Taurus. It's a perfect trine. So the trine between Uranus, Mars, and Venus is getting stronger and stronger. And that's really good because it talks about the ability to do things in a unique way, to connect to innovation, technology, to make new friends, male and females, because Uranus is friendships, and Mars and Venus is masculine and feminine. Making a lot of friends that are very active, but also very artistic. It is a really nice energy overall, especially because Venus and Mars are coming closer and closer, and they're being blessed by Uranus, which is unpredictability, so you might find your partner in an unpredictable way, or you might fall in love with someone you never suspected you would, and I'm not talking only about um, uh, love affairs or romantic love. It could be that you're going to some uh, group for the first time of, uh, I don't know, pottery. And the next thing you know, the person sitting next to you is kind of weird. They have like these weird, uh, but you like them a lot and they become a really good friend. So significant others, close friendships. I think that Uranus, Venus, Mars, especially as we get closer and closer to uh, Valentine's, Don't forget, Valentine's is celebrated during Aquarius, and Aquarius is about friendship, platonic relationship, much more than love affairs. If we had to celebrate the real Valentine, it would have been much more, and we'll talk about it next week, in uh, Leo, during the biblical Valentine's Day. That always falls during the full moon in uh, Leo and Aquarius. So it is... Promoting much more the next week, week and a half, platonic relationships or relationships that can come out of friendship. But this will be even stronger when Venus and Mars in March are going to move into Aquarius. So overall, Wednesday, really nice day of communication, marketing, sales. Um, Again, because it's the first moon in uh, Gemini this year that is not with Mercury retrograde, it's really good for making things happen, to move things around. Then the day after, on Thursday, Friday 10, 10, the trines are moving towards the Sun and Saturn, like I told you. So Thursday, Friday even, we're going to have really good energies of satisfaction and the ability to make things happen in a really nice, good way. Uh, Mars and Venus are starting to get closer and closer. You see, they're only one degree away. So that's on February 10. They're very, very close. And... The only thing with Mars and Venus as they get close in Capricorn, they are squaring a little bit uh, the the Chiron, the wounded healer, but it's, it's not applying, so that's not too bad. It's kind of drifting away. And you still have that connection between Uranus to Venus and Mars. This is all this week is happening in that sense. And uh, on the uh, Friday, we have that black moon sitting on top of the moon. That happens once a month these days. It's not the easiest thing especially for women especially between women uh, you can have also that feeling of the good boss the bad boss or the good mother the bad mother there's also this tendency to gossip or to say bad things about people so just be a little bit more careful about that in Friday That being said, the moon and the sun are sending beautiful energy to each other. You can see it, beautiful trine. So there's a lot of bridge building at that time. And Venus and Mars are getting, again, closer and closer to a conjunction. So on Friday, which is the day of Venus, Freya, it is a great day for dating. It's a great day for meeting people. Beautiful. You've been waiting so long for that. Uh, This is the time to do that. Then on Saturday, we have, again, the Mars and Venus even more conjuncting, and now it's happening, the moon is moving into Cancer. So Saturday, Sunday, the weekend, the moon is in Cancer, much more home-oriented, much more emotional, and it's going to be squaring your Venus. So Saturday and Sunday, there could be a little bit of an opposition between my family and my relationship, or what I think I feel secured compared to what I actually want to have in a relationship. Now, if we go beyond, just to see the passage of um, uh, Mars and Venus. So, on Sunday, they're very connected. And right on Valentine's Day, look at that. 15 degrees Capricorn. Venus is 15 degrees Capricorn. Perfect conjunction right on February 14. It's a Monday, a day that is ruled by the moon. The moon is going to move into Leo, which is the moon of love. That's your Valentine's. It's actually really, really good. And it's coming very close to the full moon. Um, The... On the 15th, the conjunction is still there. We'll talk about it next week, but Mars and Venus are absolutely conjunct, perfectly conjunct. That's also happening in Wednesday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is a perfect conjunction. Thursday next week, perfect conjunction. Uh, That means that they're right on top of each other, this Mars-Venus connection. This is love. Uh, Eighteen perfect together. It's funny that on February 18th, it's a Friday, the day of Friday, the day of Venus, like we said, Mars and Venus are 18 degrees uh, Capricorn. Really nice. 19th, what's happening is Mars is going to move a little bit faster and he's passing uh, Venus. Uh, February 20th, uh, we're back to conjunction because you see they're like chasing each other. That's why I told you the tango between them. So that whole week from Monday until Sunday, they're in conjunction, you can say. Then Mars again is passing a little bit, but Venus catches up in February 23rd. So February 23rd again. And that time is going to be interesting also because we're entering the trine between the North Node, which is the point of karma and good karma, and people that seem familiar, deja vus, and that's also sending great energy to Venus and Mars and Pluto. So pay attention because February 23rd, 24, 25, um, 26. We're at 27. We're having this getting more and more and more conjunction. So now there's something triggering your relationship, your love, your happiness, your creativity around February 27. Very, very powerful time because at that time we have Venus, Mars, the moon, and Pluto all conjunct and all sending perfect energy to the North Node. Again, a lot of karmic things that could be very beneficial. So if you meet people that are that you know them before, you have skills that maybe you've done in the past that are coming back to you. Um, The conjunction is still very tight in March 1st, uh, March 2nd. You see, Mars 3rd is very, very powerful. We have Venus, Pluto, Mars all together in um, Capricorn. Now, this could be a little bit dangerous with some war or some people who are trying to, uh, to create some war. So pay attention to the beginning of March if what's happening in Ukraine and uh, in Russia. But overall, you have this perfect alignment of the Lord of Transformation and Sexuality, Passion, Venus, which is Relationship, and Mars, So the two rulers of Scorpio, Mars and Pluto, are going to be right on top of each other uh, together. That's kind of intense and on top of Venus. So very sexual, very deep energy happening to us in March 3rd. March 4th, still the same conjunction. March 5th, the same perfect conjunction. So we're having already more than two weeks of Venus conjunct Mars. And then in March 6th, they're both together literally holding hand in hand. They're moving from the mountains of Capricorn to the spacecraft of Aquarius and they're going to start flying now. So now you're going to start meeting your alien friends. This is when relationships are moving much more into Aquarius energy. Aquarius is much more about friendships, communities, people. This is a great time to do things in a context of a community. Whether it's artistic expression, whether it's anything to do with people, it's going to be very, very strong. That's happening uh, that day March seventh still the conjunction is very tight. look at March eighth one degree Aquarius, one on top of each other, perfect energy, very aligned together, the same thing on March nine perfect connection, zero two zero two, both of them. then the conjunction continues perfectly in March ten March eleven and then in March 12, thirteen they're still conjunct uh, March fourteenth still conjunct. But from March 15, it's drifting away and Venus is passing Mars and going towards Saturn. She wants to be Saturn's lover now. So she's going to betray Mars in the sense, leave him, and then she's going to be touching... Saturn in March 26, and then she's going to miss Mars uh, when she's in conjunction with Saturn. But we're not going to talk to about that. We're going to talk about the end of March is going to be pretty intense in relationship. I think what's going to happen, a lot of the relationships that you might find uh, during February, March, suddenly at the end of March, when Saturn comes to visit Venus, is going to say, who is this person? Why are you with this person? Why did you actually fall in love with him? There's going to be a lot of rude awakening, almost like, oh my God, what happened to me? So that's... um what we have this week um let's look if i have any kind of questions um yeah i heard that in uk it's also uh, starting to happen um let's see if there is any questions What is a good place to get a reliable English translation of the Old Testament? You know, I think the best one that I use is a, let's, what is it called? It's a website. It's for free. It's, um, let me put the website and that would be easier. Uh, that's the best Hebrew translation and it has the Hebrew and English together. So sometimes it's much more interesting uh, to see them both. Where is uh yeah, so this is the link for the best translation, I think, and then maybe they have printed it out also um yeah, March six seven what I meant is that the the planets are moving into Venus and Mars are moving from being conjunct in Capricorn to being conjunct in. Aquarius. And Aquarius is more about platonic friendships, relationships, but Aquarius is also the extraterrestrial uh, um, energy. Is this a good time to look for work? Yeah, it's a very good time to look for work. You can sign documents, you can actually meet people, so definitely. Um, Yeah, I think there is a few of them that are really good, but uh, for the Hebrew translation, what I saw and it's really easy for research. Is uh, uh, the machon uh, mamre? It's called. Um, anything else? Be doing any online uh, similar that we did in SLN? With our- yeah, I think that we are gonna do some of these workshops also in um, uh, online, and also we're gonna do it in Omega in the summer. Uh, I think in Omega, New York, we're going to do the same similar thing in uh, May, end of May. When is the best time to look for a new roommate? I would say that this is not a bad time to do that right now because Venus and Mars uh, together meet, that you might meet somebody that you can uh, collaborate with very, very well. So definitely, it's uh, it's a great time right now to look for that looking to see if there's uh, anything else is it more let's see is it more intense uh, for aquarius and capricorn you know I, I don't know if intense is necessarily the right wo- the right word the only thing is that if you are in aquarius or near a capricorn then most likely venus is passing or passed over your sun it makes your Venus pass on, on top of your sun, makes you feel more beautiful, more um, artistic. Mars moving on top of your sun uh, makes you feel a little bit more aggressive. So it doesn't necessarily mean more intense. It means more movement, more action in a sense. Uh, Bought your book and loving it. Thank you. And last week's session, what do you suggest I do to understand it all better? You could read uh, the beginning to understand a little bit more about astrology and then to read your rising sign and your sun sign. And you can always go to my website under learn. There is make your chart, I think. Then you click on it and you can make your chart and see or you can cast your chart and see where you have your rising sign, what planets you have, whatever. And then you can use the book for that. And again, I always ask people if you uh, want to do something that could really help me is if you did get the book on Amazon, if you can write a review there, that's going to really, really be helpful. Um, that will be the best uh, thank you uh, that I can get or the best birthday gift that I can get. Uh, sign documents. Yeah, you can sign documents through the during the shadow otherwise you know we are not going to do anything all your life so i mean with between the shadows and this retrograde that retrograde that retrograde shadow this retrograde shadow we are not going to be completely uh um obsessed and i don't think we should be well thank you very much uh, next week will be from Esalen, and i hope i can uh, share some of that um um beautiful scenery there i hope it's not going to not going to freeze to death but it's supposed to be pretty cool um so I'll send you some pictures from there but anyway next week we'll talk about Valentines because the day after will be Valentines and what is the meaning of Valentines and how we can celebrate it in a more uh, meaningful way. Thanks a lot for uh, bearing with me. Uh, go get the mouse for uh, people in uh, Tennessee just in case and um continue reading band book they're usually the best book. I think they should actually Amazon should actually have a section called The Bands Book, and the number one bestseller. It will be the easiest way to know what book you should actually read. So you should definitely have the best-selling bands uh, book club. And um, continue thriving under the stars. Thanks a lot, and see you next week.